ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to the Big Jesus Show. Hallelujah. How's that? Everybody's back in the coffee bar. Y'all need to make your way in here, please. Leave your drinks and your food back there, but you come on up here and have a seat so we can open up tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> they're ignoring me. Danielle, they're ignoring me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. Praise God. All right. Well, let's all stand up. Praise God. A bunch of, uh, couples that are going to be getting married soon are having, uh, marriage classes next door with pastors Dave and Katie. So we're holding down the fort over here. Praise God. All right. Well, welcome to Sunday night service. I'm glad to have a Sunday night service. I miss it when we don't have Sunday night service. So this is great. Okay. Well, let's say our confession of faith over the United States of America. Y'all ready for this? Amen. All right. Father, we come to you in Jesus name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may be seated. Well, let me go over the announcements with you. Um, High Desert Word Center t-shirts are in, if there's any left. They're $15 and they're in the bookstore. So if you want to buy one of those, Sheldon, stand up and model your HDWC t-shirt. Yeah, whoa, ho. Yep, there you go. So he's a styling tonight. So if you want one of those, I guess they're all in black this time. Last time they were red. This time they're black. That's cool. So make sure you go back and get one of those. And, um, okay, so lots going on. Let me talk about this first. The Enriched Food Pantry, which you all know is over at Midtown, um, needs the following things for their Christmas dinner bags, okay? They need mashed potato flakes, canned cranberries, pie filling, canned yams, and chicken broth. So they must have all the turkeys and hams or whatever they need. So make sure that you bring this stuff in so that we can make sure that the pantry over there is full and we're helping to feed people who need fed, all right? Also, this Friday night, um, Laura Cook's going to be here again. She was here last year doing her Christmas concert. She's Tony Cook's daughter, for those of you who know who Tony Cook is. He'll be back hopefully this year. A great, great teacher of God. He's awesome. Anyway, so that's going to be good. So that starts this Friday, 7 p.m., and there will be a love offering for her. Also, the Christmas service is going to be this Sunday. On the 17th, we'll have the children's play, our Christmas dinner, and there will be a gift for every child and every teen. Um, also, let's see, ushers, do you happen to have those uh, invites? Are there any of those invites left to the children's program? If you would like to have some... Uh, printed really cool-looking invites for the children's program um, to give to somebody, you know, aunts, uncles, neighbors, whatever. Raise your hand, and the, the ushers will make sure that you get some of those. Anybody want any? Okay. All right. They're really cool. <laughs> All right. Also, don't forget that, that the Christmas dinner, 
you bring the Christmas dinner, remember? So there's a sign-up sheet back on the info booth of things that you can bring. It's 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 kind of a, a repeat of the Thanksgiving dinner. You know what I mean? So make sure that you bring in enough for your family and enough to share because there'll be lots of people here because every time we have food everybody shows up, right Dave? Yeah, everybody everybody in their uncle shows up. <laughs> That's okay though. We love that. Okay, let's see what else we need to do. Toy drive for greater hope. Let's see, the last night for that is Wednesday night. So if you have a toy for any child, any age, and would like to bring it in and put it in the bin, then do that. And our Christmas candlelight service is, uh, of course, Christmas Eve at 6 o'clock. If you've never been to one of these, they're very nice. They are not long at all because we know you want to be with your family, but we also know that we want to worship the Lord and bless Him. Amen. All right, Pastor, it's your turn. Also, um, oh, he doesn't need a mic. He's got his own. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I always forget that. Amen. Amen. (laughs) You think I'd get it after a while, you know what I mean? I always check before we come to church. I say, are you the boss today or am I the boss? (laughs) I'm I'm glad to have her for a boss. She does really good. All right, hold up your hands in the envelope for your tithes or your offerings. And open up your Bibles to Malachi chapter 3. And uh, also this morning, if you weren't in the service, we took up our annual birth, uh, Christmas offering for Pastor Dave and Pastor Katie. So if you didn't have a chance to give uh, into the offering for them this morning, then uh, make out a check. Do the debit on your envelope there or online or something like that and put something in there and just bless them and as mrs pastor said this morning uh write some kind of a note on an envelope on, on the tithing envelope and just tell them what they've done for you how much you appreciate it that that, all, that always helps to get feedback that we're having an effect on you guys amen they're all asleep all right uh usher team squirt guns <laughs> all right all right, but anyway, it, it, it's nice to bless them. I tell you, when you sow into a man or woman of God, you get a great return on it. Amen. Okay, Malachi chapter 3, and I'm, I'm going to read just verse 10 and 11, and then I'm going to tell you uh, just a little bit how this works. It says, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse. And, of course, uh, I think all of you probably know the tithe is 10% of your gross income, what you, what you earn, and your storehouse is where God stores up the Word of God for you, the blessing of God for you, and all the good things are stored in your local church. It says that there may be meat in mine house, spiritual food, and prove me now herewith, and prove me now herewith, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer. This is God talking. Who's he talking to? People that tithe. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time filled, saith the Lord of hosts. And there he's talking to farmers and people that own orchards, and he's telling them, I'll take care of things for your orchard, you just take care of my church. And Something that I learned years and years ago, I've been a believer for probably, well, I've actually been in the ministry. I was down at Kenneth Copeland's minister's convention. And Brother Copeland was talking about that it, 
It takes faith to receive just as it takes faith to give. How many know that sometimes it's really hard to write out a tithe check because things are tight? Amen. So by faith, because you know God's word, what God says to do, so you do it by faith, even if it's tough. You do it by faith. Well, you notice the little words of this verse right here, prove me now. That's when your faith's activated on your tithing. You're going through something tough. You've, had, you've got an unexpected big expense happen. Something happens to your car. You have something like a refrigerator go out. Or something happens. That takes faith in where you're supposed to look up to heaven. You're supposed to say, Jesus, I've got a problem here. And you said, I can prove you now. You said you would rebuke the devourer. And so, Lord, you know that right now, here's what we've got going on. It's Christmas time. Got this much kids, got this much going on, and now it looks like I've got a choice. I either steal your tithe, but you said don't rob you, or I go ahead, take care of your tithe, and you said to prove you. And so, Lord, as I bring this tithe today to your storehouse, I'm looking up to you, and Lord, I believe it in the name of Jesus that your word's true. You told me to prove you, so I'm doing it now, Lord. However you got to do it, Take care of this refrigerator thing for me. Lord, however you've got to do it, I need my car fixed. However you've got to do it, Lord, we need this taken care of. And that's called using your faith. And do you know that the Bible says in Hebrews 11, 6, that faith always pleases God? Amen. I, I want this to sink in because I realized when I was praying this morning about our church and people that tithe and things like that, I think probably for the last month I've become conscious of it I'd say probably at least a dozen times people come to me for prayer about things and I'd look at them I'd say you are a tither right says, yes I'm a tither I said okay it's time to see God work for you then he said you can prove him and I said tither's rights always work you're having problems on the job with somebody that's not treating you right you're having trouble with neighbors and you don't believe in taking people to court and being sue happy and things like that all the time. So instead of getting mad at them, get mad at the devil. And just point your, point your finger out there and say, Satan, in the name of Jesus, take your hands off my relationships. Take your hands off my stuff. And then look up to heaven and say, Jesus, I'm giving it to you now. I want to thank you that you have rebuked the devil for me in this thing. Because I'm a tither, and you told me I'm supposed to prove you. Amen. Does this help anybody? Man, amen. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you now, start using your faith more than just putting it in. Start using your faith for your covenant. All right. Let's stand up. We'll do our financial faith confession. Before we do that, we got a, we got a drill to do. <clears throat> How many like to have in school? They all said they wanted to come in one day. They're going to have they're going to have a math drill, or a spelling drill, or something goes on. And start calling on people. All right, what do we call our offering time here? Happy drill, happy drill, everybody happy. Okay, now look over at your neighbor and say. You don't look very happy. We're having drill time. Get happy. 
hey man, Mrs. Pastor, that's how you do it. We broke the ice. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, here we go. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, state and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, meet all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take care of my family, give generously into the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you want, you can make your way to the altar and let's worship the Lord together tonight. What can wash away my sin? It's nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? It's nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain I know. It's nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my part in this I see, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing this I plead, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Sing for my pardon, for my pardon, this I see, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this I plead, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow, no other fountain I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope and peace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus.
Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain, no, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain, no, nothing but the blood of Jesus.
just want to be near your heart There is nothing like your love Jesus, there is nothing like your love And I just want to be where you are I just want to be near your heart And there is nothing like your love Jesus, there is nothing like your love Holy and sing that.
Jesus, we love you. There is nothing like your love. We thank you, Lord, for dying for our sins, taking stripes on your back so we we can be healed. We thank you for sending the great Holy Spirit down to live in us and teach us and guide us and lead us through life. Father, we thank you that what Jesus said in John 8, 29 is for us. He says, I'm not alone. The Father's always with me, for I always do those things that please him. Father, help us to be conscious of your presence every day. Help us to listen to the voice of our conscience and obey. Lord, thank you for using us to be a witness every day. Thank you for using us to lay our hands on the sick and send recover, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for using us and fulfilling the Great Commission. And Lord, I thank you tonight for spiritual eyes opened, spiritual ears opened, hearts opened to the Word of God to help people walk in better health and take it to others. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You can be seated. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Well, tonight we're going to be teaching on uh, maybe my my favorite subject, teach on divine healing and divine health. And uh, I, I was thinking, uh, I was talking to Mrs. Pastor this morning, coming to church, and the difference between a lot, a lot of ministries, how they think and what they do. When I was first born again, years and years and years ago, I went to a church that used to have a have a man from California come out, this in Indiana, come out. And, and teach once or twice a year, and they were really good people, all of them. But I still remember as a new Christian, he made a statement several times that because I didn't know the words yet, it's something, boy, that sounds good. But he'd make this statement. He said, I believe there's a place in God for divine health. Well, I didn't know anything about divine healing or divine health. Had he said that, he never showed us anything about it. And it doesn't make any difference what you believe if it's not in the Bible and you can't get it out of the Bible and apply it to your life. If you can't get it out of the Bible and show somebody else, then all it is is a dream or something. And so I know I purposed as a Christian to study the Bible and find out what's he talking about. I said he believes it. Well, I wonder if it's God, if it's the Bible, if there really is a place where you can stay well. And so I studied under people for years and taught a healing school in Indianapolis uh, for years at my church in Martinsville for years. I taught healing classes. And I, I come to find out from the Bible, God has divine health. That's his best. Well, you just stay well. That's really nice. But then at the same time, he's got divine healing if you do get sick. And so the more we learn from the word of God about God stand on healing and health, then the better life we're going to live. Somebody said, amen or oh me. Amen. Amen. It's nice to stay well, but it's nice if you need healing to know how to get it. And it's nice, it's nice to be able to take what you've learned from the Bible to somebody else that needs it or to other Christians don't know anything about it. Because Christians, no matter what denomination they call themselves, or 
or what, what, whatever church they go to, the Bible's the Bible. Talk about, talk about, you know, the King James Christian Bible. And so when you, when you can with somebody else that maybe goes someplace where they don't teach it, and this is not a put down on any other churches at all. But God said in Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for lack of, lack of knowledge. So all you're doing when you show a fellow believer that maybe their pastor doesn't know yet about healing and things, doesn't teach on it, you show them in their Bible, show them in their Bible what God says, that faith cometh by what? That faith jumps off their own Bible into their heart that they've got faith to receive what you're telling them and helping them with. And that's why it's so important for you to learn these verses we teach from the Bible. And when you show somebody the Bible that in Mark 16, verse 17 and 18, Jesus said, when believers lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus, they shall be healed. And when somebody looks at their Baptist Bible or their Catholic Bible or their Methodist Bible or whatever it is, they got the same Mark 16 you do. When they see that, they say, wow, I've heard it so many times. Well, I've been saved for all my life. I never knew that was in the Bible. Well, people only know what they either dig out themselves and learn or somebody teaches them. So if you're at a church like this that teaches it, then so many times I've heard people say, you know what? I was witness to a man at Walmart today. I was talking to a lady down at the drugstore, and they said, are you a minister? And the answer is, no, but I just go to a good church and teach the Bible. Amen. Does that make sense to you? When you know the Word of God, you impress people. And our job's not to impress people, our job's to help people. But when other Christians talk to somebody that actually knows the Bible, then it changes their lives. Amen. Amen. That, that, that wasn't in any notes or anything. That just came out. But I was thinking about that man this morning that I heard 44 years ago just telling a church full of people, I believe there's a place in God for divine health. I thought, man, I'm glad you believe it. Would you teach me how you got it? I want to know it too. Amen. Well, I want to show you some things out of the bookstore before we get to the word. God's Word, a never-failing remedy. That's a good book. Got healing scriptures, healing teachers in it, and a lot of things in there will help you. And uh, I, I did most of my Christian growing as a new Christian reading books like these. I would read them, and I didn't read them like a newspaper. I'd read them with my Bible open, <clears throat> and every time I still read books the same way, even though it's just like tonight's sermon, things I'm doing, I went over these scriptures several times today, and I can quote them to you forwards and backwards, but I like to open my Bible and look at them in the Word of God myself. And I read them, and I look at them, and when I'm in a service like this, somebody else is teaching, Pastor Dave, I write the verses down, and most of what he teaches, I taught him, but I write the verses down, I look at them again, and again, and again, and again, because they help me keep my faith built up, so I can get what God wants. And this one here is a Bible Ways. Bible ways to receive healing. And I like to say this a lot of times, one way that Jesus heals, but not the only way, is through laying on of hands. That's one way, and that's the easiest way I know of for most believers to pray for people is lay hands on them, but the Bible teaches so many other different ways that God heals. 
And then one more book I want to show you, not book, our December devotional. And that's kind of what, that's kind of what inspired me this morning to write this sermon out tonight. We have a lot of those back there on the, uh, information booth if you'd like to have one. But, uh, the December devotional day was, you can open up your Bible, this verse I'm going to give you. Psalms 107 verse 20. How many read that this morning, by the way? Mom, did you read it? Annie did. Okay, Annie, we'll give an extra point to mom then. Danielle read it. Anybody else read this this morning? Amen. Got another one. Sam read it. Anybody else? Wow. A lump of coal. <laughs> but Psalms 107 verse 20 is a really great verse. And I uh, was reading it this morning. And I got to thinking a while back we taught a healing series. And then we quit having service for a while. All the different events going on. I thought, man, let's just pick that up again and go there. But Psalms 107 Verse 20 says, he sent his word and healed them. God sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. And I'm presuming that a lot of people are growing and learn a lot of verses. But at the start of this devotional for December, did anybody read John chapter 1 that in the beginning was the word? And the word was with God. And the word was God. And then in verse 14 of John chapter 1, it says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then you read Matthew and Luke. We call it the Christmas story a lot of times. But it's about the birth of Christ. It says that the Holy Ghost, and this, to a natural mind, this sounds so weird and so strange. It says the Holy Ghost hoovered over Mary's womb and planted the word of God in her womb. And the word of God, the word of God, uh, there's no other way to say it, the word of God impregnated Mary. And so the word of God was God's divine seed that got inside of Mary, and the word of God grew inside of Mary. And then verse 14 says, when she birthed, she birthed the word of God, and he had flesh on him, his name was Jesus. And so what I see from Psalms 107 verse 20 is that that's another prophecy of the coming Christ. God sent Jesus, the living word. He became flesh. He sent him for what it says to heal us and to deliver us from our destructions. And I I would say deliver destructions could be uh, alcohol addictions, drug addictions, or any other kind of addiction you got, that's destructive. As said, he sent Jesus the word to do that. And so a Christian, really, a Christian's life of victory or defeat will almost totally depend upon their love of the word of God or not. Amen. Amen. And I don't like to just quote a bunch of verses, but sometimes I quote some just because it goes with what I've said at the time, but they're not in the sermon. But in John chapter 8, when he talks, he says, uh, I think verse 34, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Well, that is preceded in verse 31 and 32 when, it's, when, it, when he says, If you continue in my word, Jesus said, If you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And then he says, If the Son makes you free, well, who's the Son? He's the word. And he just got through saying, You continue in the word, then you get free. 
And so the word you know determines the freedom you have. And then one step further, be you doers of the word, not hearers only. And so it's the word that you know and the word that you do. And so tonight we're going to be teaching things from the Bible about, about, about healing, about health, about deliverance that we're going to see in a service that Jesus was actually the minister in. And so uh, our devotion today was totally on that theme of Jesus and his wonderful name and the word of God. And so since the spring of 1981, that's when I started preaching. How many years ago is 1981? Well, that might, that might be older than some of you. But the first church I preached at was in the spring of 1981 in Gasburg, Indiana. But uh, when I first began to preach, I did my best to follow Jesus' example. And we're going to see that in a minute, the way I, the way I minister here, the way a lot of ministers minister, to follow his example and make sure that every sermon I preached was built upon the Word of God. Not, not, not funny stories. Not, not things that I believe. And not things that somebody else said. But based upon the Word of God, and then also right there side by side with it, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Like just now, I started saying those other things there. They come out of my spirit, not my head. Just things that you needed to hear to help you. But to be sensitive to the moving of the Holy Spirit, if he prompts me in my heart to head a different direction, something different, to go with the flow of the Holy Spirit. And so that I've always tried to live that way and preach that way. And so I want to look in Luke chapter 13 at a service just like tonight. How many here belong to Jesus? And you know, the Bible says, be imitators of God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 says, be imitators of God as dear children imitate their, their fathers. And so I always try to do things that I saw Jesus do in the Word. I always try to preach and teach like Jesus did from the Bible. And I'm sure all preachers say that. I would think if they're a born-again preacher. But the best way I know to look how Jesus would minister in a service is to look at him in a service and see what he did. And then I see that a lot of our services have paralleled this with the same results that he got. But in Luke chapter 13, verse 10 through 17, I want to read this. And then I'm going to come through and dissect it. And I'm going to explain to you what was going on in the service. And that will help you to understand how God operates through preachers, but also through you. He can use you the same way wherever you're at. You learn how to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And when you know the Word of God, it's really easy to obey Him because you know, wow, this is what God said in His Word. And he's going to use me. But anyway, starting at verse 10, <clears throat> and He was teaching. What am I doing right now? Well, I'm starting off doing what Jesus was doing then. He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman. Do we have women here? Well, good. Hey, we're all still on the same page with Jesus. We got women here. We got men. We got children. And, and it says, And behold, there's a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. And sometimes we have people in here that have been sick for, for their whole lives, a lot of them, or sometimes for a lot of years. And so she was at the right place. She was at a service, had an anointed minister called Jesus Christ. And Jesus today has ordained and called 
men and women to be ministers of Jesus Christ. And he's given them the Bible to know what to do and how to minister. And so anyway, the woman had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. She was bowed together. She was bent over in a like a paralyzed uh, position and could in no wise lift up herself. The woman had some kind of bad arth- arthritis fight or something. She was messed up. And after 18 years, can you imagine what shape her back must have been in? Had to straighten up for 18 years. And when Jesus saw her, I've seen a lot of people right now. And when a minister for the Holy Ghost is looking around, he doesn't just see people. He's got a spiritual antenna up. And I don't know if you know that or not, but when we're up here in this church preaching, we're prayed up. We're listening on the inside to see if the Holy Ghost has anything to say about anybody. And sometimes when we're up here, all of a sudden, we'll be looking out here, there'll be a lot of people, and just all of a sudden, one of them just jumps off at you and just say, wow, wow. What, what? And on the inside, while we're preaching, we're praying. Say, Lord, what's going on? There's something you want to do? Something you want to say? What, what, what's, what's going on, Holy Spirit? Something, just show me and I'll do it. And I call that having my spiritual antenna up where the Holy Ghost in me wants to use me, but I got to pick on what he wants to say. I, how many times in this church has one of us up here ministered and said, there's somebody in here that's been having a severe such and such go on their body for a while, and uh, if that's you, come up here. God wants to help you. Have 20, 30 people across here that have the same thing going on in their lives. And all we do is just go past and, and depending on what the Holy Spirit says, either speak to them or if there's demons involved, take authority over them or lay hands on them or if God leads to anoint them with oil and they all get healed. Amen. And so it says that uh, can no wise lift up herself. And then when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. That's, he called her out and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. Says she had a spirit of infirmity, so she got set free from that demon. And he laid his hands on her. How many remember about two or three weeks ago we taught her laying on her hands? Remember we called it healing in your hands? Amen. So he laid his hands on her. And so when we lay hands on people, it's not some new fad. It's been going on for thousands of years, except the body of Christ has been ignorant of it. Amen. So he said he laid her hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work in them, therefore come and be healed, and on the Sabbath day. Now I'm going to come into detail these verses in a minute, but think about that. Has anybody besides me ever received persecution because you believe in speaking in tongues because you believe in laying hands on the sick because you believe in cast out demons or anything else has anybody has any religious people ever challenged you on why you believe what you believe they bad anybody if you've never been persecuted for your christian life you better go back and make sure it took amen i remember when I, was, when I was a Christian truck driver, I had a good relationship with all the people in our office. We had about a half a dozen people sitting at a couple guys and three different women. And I, I, when I went in there, I never was planning on doing anything except had to go to their paperwork or something. Holy Spirit would always have me talking to somebody. And I'll never forget the day. 
in that office, there was a girl, the girl, she was probably in her 30s. She just got saved, and she was going to a Baptist church, and I was talking to her about the Spirit-filled life, being filled with the Spirit, speaking in tongues. And anyway, I walked in there one day and walked past her desk and said something to me. I said, Faith, you've been studying those verses I gave you? You've been looking at those? Yeah, I have. I want that. And without even thinking, in that office, about 9 o'clock in the morning, all those people around drinking their coffee, trying to get their eyes open. I said, okay, Faye, in the name of Jesus, put my hand on her, said, receive the Holy Ghost. And this Baptist girl started going, and all of a sudden, the whole office went quiet, and everybody woke up. They looked over there. What's going on? I remember, oh, boy. I, I, stories come to me sometimes when I preach. I remember I was on a federal jury in Indianapolis in March of 1981. And they made sure we knew every day, you can't talk about the case. You can't talk about the case. They sent us up to the jury room, and then we'd come back down. And everybody talk about stuff. You can't talk about the case. And so uh, I wasn't a preacher yet, but I preached. And so... As we were up there, it seemed like all the men gathered to one corner and all the women and me were over this side because they were more sensitive for something to the Spirit. They wanted me to teach them things. <laughs> and so we had a Methodist lady. We're in the jury room. Can't talk about the case. And so this Methodist lady, with everybody in there, men are back there doing their thing. I mean, man, they're talking and you hear all the chatter. And the women are over here. They're watching and listening. And this lady's name was Irene. And so after about three or four days, I said, Irene, are you ready to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost? And she was a good old Methodist lady, been saved for a lot of years, the Methodist church. I said, yes. And so I laid hands on her because Paul did that. In Acts chapter 19, he laid hands on her. I laid hands on her. I said, Irene, receive the Holy Ghost. And, oh, oh, shop, I'm about to, oh, so, I'm about. and all of a sudden the men all stopped. And they all went. And I read just up there crying and speaking in tongues. And so that, that's, how, that's how life is. If you're a Christian, you need to share what you know. You can't share what you don't know. And so as you share what you know, if there's any religious people around, they'll persecute you. I remember one time, there was a family gathering, and there was a woman there that was a religious woman. I hope she was saved because she's dead now. But I don't know sometimes because Jesus says you're known by the fruit. And so I had a salvation track that I'd made up. I think we still have those in church. We still do those tracks here. Anyway, the, on the very front of the track, it says you must be born again, John 3, 3. I mean, that's Bible. That's Jesus. And then on the inside of the track, uh, I got on there about, about uh, how to get born again and how to receive the Holy Ghost and things. And I had a bunch of people in my family that were there. This woman was an outside member the branch of the family, but wasn't really part of the close family. As she went to a religious church, one of these churches that thought we're the only ones. If you're not baptized our way, then you're going to hell. You can't go to heaven unless you're baptized in our church. One of those kind of places. And so I'm in there, and this is my, my, my whole family. I kind of get a picture sometimes. I was like the madman of Gadara to him. Has anybody ever read that story? That guy was all changed and everything because he was demon-possessed and messed up. Well, I was that kind of person in my family. Believe it or not, I used to have an afro. 
I wore silk shirts, buttoned down to right. I didn't have any hair on my chest, but I had big chains. I had goofy gold chains on there. And I told Mrs. Pastor yesterday, I said, get me an earring. I want to see what an earring feels like again. But that was, that was a long time ago. And I was just messed up. I was drunk all the time. Didn't really do, didn't really do dope just every once in a while. Marijuana or something, but not much. But just, I was messed up all the time. And when I got born again, I was 100% for Jesus, just like I used to be 100% for the devil. And so after, after a couple years of my family seeing that I was going to stay that way, it wasn't just a fad, they listened to me. And so I was in the living room, my sister's house, and I'm handing out tracts to these relatives, and they're all sitting there reading them. And all of a sudden, just like this guy here was filled with indignation and come against Jesus because that woman got healed, she comes in there and starts preaching not the gospel, but preaching against me. Said, he goes to a cult because my church wasn't her church. If it wasn't her church, I went to a cult. He goes to a cult and started taking all those things away and tearing them up. I thought, man, you sure are real, you're helping the gospel a lot. These people in here, none of them are saved. And I'm here sharing the word of God. I got Bible verses in this, in this, in this track right here. I'm teaching them this. And I led several of them to a prayer of salvation already. As it takes them away and says, I'm of a cult because I don't baptize right. I didn't baptize anybody. I wasn't even a preacher. But those people were getting helped and the devil didn't like it. And so you have to understand this service here. Jesus just got this poor old woman paralyzed, bent over for 18 years, got her healed. And since that was the ruler of the synagogue, you know, if you want to equate the ruler of the Jewish synagogue to a pastor, you say, this is a pastor, saw that poor woman in there for 18 years, never helped her. She finally gets help, and he gets mad. We're just talking about a service that Jesus was in, okay? And so if we're going to do what Jesus did, sometimes there's people don't like it. But all I can say is that's too bad. The devil's mad, and I'm glad. Amen. Amen. And so anyway, said, six days to work, you ought to. And then the Lord then answered him, said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox, lose his ox or his ass from the stall, lead him away to watering? And look at this. We'll be on this verse a little bit. And ought, this, ought not this woman be a daughter of Abraham? Because they were still operating under the old covenant. The new covenant didn't come into effect until Jesus died, was raised from the dead, then we got the new. So under the old covenant... Ought not this woman be the daughter of Abraham, who Satan hath bound? Remember the spirit of infirmity? Said Satan is the one that made her like that. Paralyzed, bent over, crippled. Who Satan had bound low these 18 years, be loosed from this bond? That was bondage. Sickness is a bondage. When you're hindered in life from doing things that normal people should be able to do, you're in bondage. I didn't say it. Jesus did. He said, bondage. Be loosed this bond on the Sabbath day. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Now look at verse 13. It says, when she straightened up, that gave God glory, glorified God. And then the people, in verse 17, says, glorious things were done by him. And so, contrary to a lot of religious demons that influence preachers and people, God does not get glory when you're suffering. 
There was no glory given to God when this woman walked around bent over for 18 years. But it said that God was glorified when she got healed. And I was thinking about that word glory this morning. I thought I would look that up. But I just, just, just in my heart that I knew what glory, giving glory to God is. Giving glory to God is when you make what he does look good. God is glorified when you prosper. God is glorified when your family's intact and you go to church together. God is glorified when your children are not addicted to the evils of this present world. God is glorified when you are healed. And I want to keep on saying this. I'm not saying this. The Bible says it. Jesus said it. It did not say anywhere. For 18 years, God was glorified because this woman was crippled and couldn't function in life. It says when she was healed and straightened up, it says God was glorified, and then all the people gave God glory. Amen? And so let's just start thinking, if you've ever been around religious teaching before, or religious people, oh, isn't it wonderful how they're suffering for the glory of God? You need to be able to just very nicely just open your mouth and say, well, I hate to say it, but you're deceived. Because Jesus said, and the Bible says, God doesn't get glory when people are sick. God gets glory when people are healed. Amen? Doesn't it just make you want to run to a church while everybody's sick and hurting and say, man, our church gives glory to God. We're all sick. No. We need to learn from the Bible what goes on. Now, I want to go through this service here and just one by one go through these verses and show you what's going on. So verse 10 says, and he was teaching in one of the synagogues. And so in Jesus' public ministry, he first of all always taught God's word. First thing, if you're going to go to a Jesus church, the Bible's got to be taught. And I want to say this. I'm really emphatic about this. And the people should bring Bibles. And if you're bringing an iPhone or an iPad, that's okay. But I personally still always prefer to have my Bible because in my Bibles, I mark them up. I put red around things. I put yellow through things. I put notes beside things. And then uh, other verses that I see that are agreeable with that, the reference, I put verses beside my thing. And then I can be in a service with Dr. Barclay, my wife, Pastor Dave, or somebody else teach the Word of God. And I'm looking in my own Bible at the verses they're saying. But at that time, I may be going through something in life, and then I'll see yellow over there on the next page or beside it. And I'll read it. Oh, wow. And I get lost in what's going on in the service because the Holy Spirit's talking to me through those verses I see over there. But you can't do that on an iPhone or an iPad or those kind of things. You can't do it. And so, like I said, I'm not knocking those things. Do it if you want to. But I always want my Bible there because I get help from the Holy Spirit through my Bible. And sometimes I see things that aren't being preached. And then somebody says, well, Pastor, do you like that sermon? I say, well, I like the one I got. I didn't hear the same one you heard. I got a different one. But the anointing was there for everybody to get. Amen? And so anyway, I personally like that. And so anyway, he taught the word because Jesus knew he had to put faith in people's heart so they could receive from God. I want to say that again. This is for preachers. This is for believers that want to help people you know. Uh, How many people here ever get to share the word of God with somebody you work with? Anybody? Just raise your hand. You ever get to share, okay, how many ever get to talk to family members? You get to share the word of God. It's really important 
to put faith into them if you can. I always carry a little Bible in my pocket and I'd be able to pour it out and show people things or especially if, if you're in an atmosphere where you're a house or something, share something. If you want to put faith into them, open the Bible and show them in the Bible what it is you're talking about. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And so when people see that and hear that, then you then when you say, can I pray for you, you put faith in there to expect something to happen. I'm going to say it again. If all you're doing is talk to somebody and say, well, my preacher said, or well, I, 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 heard, I heard somebody on the radio say, well, there's no faith much in that at all. But when you can show them the Bible and show them verses and say, look what it says right here. Jesus healed the sick. Jesus said, lay hands on the sick. Jesus said, and then you know what's happening? Because faith cometh by hearing, you are setting them up to receive from Jesus. It takes faith to receive. And so Jesus knew that. And so uh, within the last month when I was teaching that series on healing, how many know we went through the Bible and saw all the times that it said Jesus was preaching and teaching and healing. Preaching and teaching and healing. It never said he was healing. It said he was preaching and teaching and healing. Preaching and teaching and healing. Preaching and teaching and healing. If you want more results in your personal ministry, start doing some preaching and teaching before you do the Amen. And so anyway, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing tonight because that's what Jesus did, so I'm going to do it. So then verse 11 he said uh, that, that, that behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years, bowed together, could no wise lift up herself. And so there's always people that needs God's help in our services. This woman had a spirit of infirmity, a spirit of infirmity. A spirit of infirmity is a demon spirit. A spirit of infirmity is a demon spirit. And so uh, I've learned over the years to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and helping people. Now listen, when you've really become a serious Christian, a disciple of Christ, where you study your Bible, this here, this here is our instruction manual for living. It's our instruction manual for helping people. You'll begin to learn that the Holy Spirit is not just some puff of cloud that's everywhere. Holy Spirit actually lives inside of believers. And Jesus, when he got baptized in the River Jordan, if you're familiar with the story, says he came out and the Holy Ghost came down on him like a dove. And he was filled with the Spirit. And then it begins to say after he was tempted for 40 days, and then it said he ministered the power of the Spirit. But he got filled with the Spirit and then it began to work in the power of the Spirit. And so as believers, as believers, there's so many things inside of us to help people. I hope you're taking notes. I'm doing a lot of quotes. You can come back and watch it. But First Corinthians 12, he talks about the nine gifts of the Spirit. Have you ever heard of those? The gifts of the Spirit. Well, that's inside of believers, and the Holy Spirit will use us in those as he will. And so Jesus saw this woman, and I don't want to go deep and get over your heads, but one of the two revelation gifts, that's gifts of the Spirit, were operating through Jesus, either the word of knowledge told him the woman's not just sick, there's a spirit involved. 
Or there's another spiritual gift called discerning of spirits. And that means when your eyes are open to see in the realm of the spirit. And a lot of people, and again, I'm not putting down on people. It's just I've seen so much stuff over the years that you just know some things because you see them. And you know what you don't want to do for people to be deceived. A lot of people say, well, I've got the gift of discernment. There's no such a gift. All Christians should be able to discern things, pick up on things, and know things. First Corinthians chapter 12 says there's a gift called the discerning of spirits. Have you studied that out? You see, that's when God opens your eyes to see in the realm of the spirit. You might be able, when he opens your eyes, to see Jesus. That's in the Bible. A lot of people have. You might open your eyes and you see an angel or angels. You're seen in the realm of the spirit. Or you might see demons. That's in the realm of the spirit. And I remember the first time no, the Lord really used me in that, I saw a woman's human spirit. We first started pastoring, and this woman comes. She was all messed up in life. And all of a sudden, inside of her, I saw her spirit all gnarled up, crippled up. It looked like an old ugly tree off of some TV show or something, just all, ew, just all bound up like that. And I saw what was inside of her. And since then, I've seen demons. I've seen angels. I mean, I've, you know, a lot of things I've seen. But the whole thing is discerning the spirits. You see something in the spirit realm. And quick story on that. We were working the streets of Noblesville, Indiana. I'm working the streets. We weren't street walkers. This is, we call it working the streets. We go knocking on people's doors and looking for people, just people, anybody, anybody we can witness to. And we knocked on this woman's door up in Noblesville. And uh, when we knocked on her door, she said, I'm so glad you came. I've been praying God would send somebody to my house. And it turned out the woman had had a stroke, don't know when. She was blind in one eye. And she was par- paralyzed on that same side of her body. And she said, when I, when I first got sick, my church people would come and see me. But they quit coming a long time ago, so I'm just here by myself all day. And so we went into her house and began to talk with her. She was really a nice, sweet Christian woman. She was hurt. And so I did what I always do. I shared some Bible with her, got laid hands on the sick. I was getting ready to do that. And she was about where Colin is on one side of the room there. And I went like that. And the Holy Ghost said, stop. He said, don't touch her. He said, she doesn't need healing. That's the spirit of infirmity. Well, didn't the Bible says woman has a spirit of infirmity? And what Jesus says, woman, you're loose from your infirmity. In other words, he said, Satan, get out. And so I stopped and looked up at her. And we were pretty, we were, we were pretty young in the Lord. We had a street ministry. We didn't have a preaching ministry yet at a church. And so I stopped. And all I did, I thought, I remember this story. And so I thought, I'll do what Jesus did. I looked up at her. I said, you spirit of infirmity, get out of here and go in Jesus' name. And when I did that, she started crying and shaking. She said, oh, I'm tingling all over. I'm tingling all over. And the paralysis left. And then she said, I can see. I can see. And so then we gave her the test. I had a little Bible. Mrs. Pastor said, you couldn't even read those little words. Held it up there and I had to read some verses. She read them out of the eye that was blind before. That happened. But what am I saying? I'm saying this. When you are a minister that's aware of the Holy Ghost, you know some things about the Holy Ghost, 
and you know the Holy Ghost, you don't just automatically pray for everybody. If somebody has a spirit, a demon spirit attached to them that's causing the sickness, you lay hands on them all day long and they're not going to get it. You have to cast the devil out first. And at the same time, you can have somebody else got the exact same things and they'll need a demon cast out. They need healing. You lay hands on them. And so as a minister, I'm telling you, I've watched what Jesus did. So when we're up here, we've got to listen in here. And somebody comes in the line. Sometimes people come to the line up here and they got sick stuff going on. I just, I stopped. I say, Satan, take your hands off them now in the name of Jesus. You loose them, let them go. And they'll say, if it's back things, sometimes I'll say, bend over and touch your toes. Because we got rid of the devil. But then sometimes somebody else comes up. And I say, well, you know what? Jesus said, lay hands on the sick in his name. They'll recover. Let me lay hands on your back. And then a lot of times I'll say, oh, oh, it's hot. Your hand's on fire. It's burning me. Well, that's because the anointing's coming through there as healing their body. But you see what I'm saying? Jesus just didn't have one size fits all. When they came in, you know, this, this amazes me so much. The older I get, the more I think about it. I've thought about this so much lately. Of all the billions of people in the world right now, and I've told the Lord this several times, I don't know how you do it. Here I am, one person right here, talking to you about personal things in life, and all over the world there's billions of people. And whoever's talking to you, you're hearing them, and you know them personally, just like you do me. Have you ever thought about that? I've, I've seriously thought that a lot lately. Uh, how are you doing that? And you can't figure God out with your head. You know Jesus in your heart. He's your personal Savior. He's your personal healer. He's your personal deliverer. He's your personal financier. He's your help. He's your everything. He knows everything about us. And so when people come into service like this, like Jesus had a bunch of people there, Holy Ghost knew that woman was there. She knew, he knew she was crying out. And that church had obviously given her no help because they got mad when she got help. Amen. And so it amazes me sometimes. I was talking to somebody the other day. It was, oh, it was a, the man not saved yet I was witnessing to. And he said he talked to a preacher one time about how the guy picks up things and knows things. And I said, you know, it's so amazing. So many times when I've preached, when I talk to people after the service, They'll say things like, did my wife talk to you? Has my husband been talking to you? Who told you that? I say, what are you talking about? I said, man, you were looking at me the whole time. I said, you were looking at me. I, 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 sometimes I think, I didn't even know you were in the service. So I look at people right now, and unless God causes your face to jump off at me, I see you. But I don't really zoom in on you unless God has me to. And so they say, well, what you talk about is exactly what happened in our family this week. That happened on my job just that way, and you gave me every answer I needed. Well, that's because you have a spirit with the Holy Spirit in you. And I've got the Holy Spirit in me, and I'm talking. I might just inadvertently tell a little story like I've done a few tonight again, tell a little story or something like that, and all of a sudden, one sentence or two sentences in your heart, the Holy Ghost caused them to jump off at you. And nobody else heard those sentences but you. Because that's what God had for you. That was your answer, and you got it. And I don't know about you, but when I'm in a service, and I'm going through something, 
And the preacher says something, get my answer. I basically don't hear much else because I got what I came for. And on the inside, I'm just thanking Jesus, thanking Jesus that he loves me, that he talked to me, and he helped me. Amen? But that's what happened here. Jesus saw this woman, and then he knew what to do. And so and so that spirit of infirmity took authority over it. And some, so we have to always know that the people you go to help to, uh, some of the things you want to do sometimes, if you'll be sensitive, that's not the thing to do at the time. The Holy Spirit may have you do something different. And so then verse 12 uh, says, when he saw her, he said, you're loose from your infirmity. He's always aware of his surroundings. And so then uh, when, he, when, he called her, when he called her out, he was operating in the gifts of verse 13. Now notice this. He, he got rid of the demon spirit, and then he laid his hands on her immediately. She made straight and glorified God. I remember a, a lot of years, probably 20 or 30 years ago, when I was studying that, I thought, wait a minute. If the demon took care of it, how could you laid hands on her then? He made it so plain. Because she had been bent over so long, Jesus laid his hands on her to release healing anointing to her body. Her muscles, her tendons, her ligaments, her spine, things were fused together. And that was just a result of the demon, the damage he did. So her body was bent over, and he got to the root. First of all, he got rid of the demon. But then he had to loose anointing. And I've always seen it like this when I pray for people with bone problems, back problems, paralysis. I've always seen it like this. I always think about that story. Jesus released anointing. It would be like an old car or something that had been sitting a long time and things were frozen up. You start putting WD-40 in it. You put oil in it. You put grease in it. You start getting something in there to lubricate and work parts. And so Jesus released anointing to lubricate those things that were messed up and fused together and paralyzed from all those years. But first of all, by the Holy Spirit, he had to take care of the cause. It was the demon. Does this help anybody to see? And that's what I'm saying about ministers today need to look at some services Jesus conducted to see what he did so we can follow his example. But he was very, 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 very uh, serious about letting the Holy Spirit use him. He was very serious about the Word of God, and he was always aware of his surroundings. And like I said, when I'm looking through the crowd like this, I see things, but unless something jumps off at me, I just keep going. But if something starts to jump off at me, sometimes I'm looking at people, and it'll be like I see their face light up. And they'll look totally normal, totally okay, but when I see that, then I start listening. And what I found out sometimes, when something like that happens at a service, I'll call somebody out to come up here. I say, I just want to pray for you. And I know as I lay my hands on a lot of times, when that happens, there's a connection made. And then the Holy Spirit will begin to show me things. And then I'll just start off praying. And sometimes through praying, a word of knowledge will come out. And what the word of knowledge is, is basically... God knows everything about everything and everybody all the time. And so a word is a fragmentary part, part of a sentence. And so he knows everything, but if he just shows you a word, he's just showing you a little thing. And so when you're praying for somebody like that, he's not telling you everything about their life. He's telling you something right now about their life or something in their past. And so you pray for them because he's given you that much. 
Or then there's the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom is uh, God showing some things about the future. God knows everything already. He knows in God's eyes, he knows when Jesus came back. God sees the future as good as he does the past. And so Jesus said, nobody knows but the Father when I'm coming, but he knows. Well, Jesus already came back in God's eyes, but it hasn't happened yet in earth time. And so sometimes God will show us something, a word, just a small part of a sentence, a word, something about the future. And then sometimes we're praying for somebody and we know nothing about them, strangers in the prayer line. That happens a lot of times. And we just say, pray something like, Father, I want to thank you for giving them that job. Lord, I know they've been trying to get it, but Lord, I just want to thank you. They can have that job now. And then sometimes, does that mean anything to you? And the tears are flowing. Yes, yes, yes. I said, well, good. Well, you know, if that means something to you, go for it. But that's what I'm saying when we're calling people out. We see things happen, and then we just got to be bold enough to step out and pray for them. And so, 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 so Jesus laid hands on her, got a room cleaned up and ready to go. Then verse 14, 15, I've already told you that, that the, that the religious people got mad. But so in other words, don't ever get too upset if you're helping somebody in your family and on your job, as long as you're not still in time, you got to watch that one. But when you're helping somebody, if religious demons get stirred up, just know you're on the right road. Amen? Has anybody besides me ever had somebody get upset because you were helping somebody in the name of the Lord? Well, guess what? You're in good company. Jesus did too. That's the way it happens. And so Jesus, Jesus always wants people saved. He always wants them healed because he loves them. And so when you're helping people in the name of Jesus, that he loves it, as long as Jesus is on my side, that's all that matters to me. Amen. And so... Uh, verse 17, the adversaries, they, they all got mad at him and everything. But verse 16, I can't pass that up because that's what I got to hit. Okay. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, who Satan hath bound low these 18 years, be loosed from this bondage on the Sabbath? Here's the note I have in my Bible I've had for years. Jesus was always covenant-minded. Jesus was always covenant-minded. She's a daughter of Abraham, means she was under the covenant. And uh, Galatians 3.29 for Christians. Now listen to this. Write this verse down if you don't know it. Galatians 3.29 talking to Christians says, If you be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed. You're Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. As far as I know, we've only got one Jew in the whole service tonight. Mrs. Jew, would you hold your hand up? We got we got a Jew right here, but she 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 is she's she's a she's a she's a natural Jew. She's born in a Jewish family, but we're all born in the family of God. It says for Christ we're Abraham's seed, so we're spiritual Jews. We are under the covenant, Abraham's covenant, and we're under the new covenant. We got the best of both worlds. We're under that covenant. Jesus covenant minded, and so that now listen to what I'm going to say. This will probably help somebody in the service tonight. Remember I told you sometimes we say things and we don't know what we're saying as a preacher. And so that as I'm saying this, I know somebody needs to hear this. Jesus did not heal this lady because she was a good person. He didn't heal her 
just because she was a lucky one tonight. He said, this woman ought to be healed because she's in the covenant. She's Abraham's seed. Everybody sitting in this church, everybody watching this out there, you ought to be healed because you belong to Jesus Christ. You ought to be healed. Jesus came, Pastor Dave taught this morning, to destroy the works of the devil. Pastor Dave taught this morning that the thief come to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came for you to have and enjoy life. And so everybody in this church, everybody watching, no matter how evil your past is, how horrible your past is, when you become a born-again Christian, the blood of Jesus wipes that out, and you're in the covenant now. And because you're in the covenant, you never come for healing because you're a tither. You never come for healing because you teach Sunday school. You never come to healing because you feed the poor. You come for healing because you belong to Jesus. And Jesus said he wants you well. He wants you healed. And so when the devil tries to put on your head about how mean you were, or maybe you had a blow up this week, maybe on the way to church. Sometimes on the way to church, we just talk in tongues to make sure we guard it. I'm serious. And so we as Christians have to know, says Jesus told those religious people, she ought to be healed from this satanic bondage because she's Abraham's seed. Is that help you to see how this, how this whole thing works? Amen. That's Jesus in a service. I'm going to close. I'm going to close with this again. Verse 17. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed and how many of the people, as this next verse say, all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. And so God gets glory when you get healed. God gets glory when people get delivered. That's when God gets the glory. And so we are going to continue doing what Jesus did. We're going to teach the word of God first of all. We're going to do our best to stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit, what he said and what he wants to do. And we are going to look at everybody that comes in here through the eyes of Jesus and think they deserve to be saved. They deserve to be delivered. They deserve to be healed, not because of who they are, because of who he is and what he did. He wants them set free. And so if people get mad because somebody they thought is the most horrible person in Barstow come here and they got delivered, they got saved, they got healed, I was going to have to look at them and say, well... Uh, you're being very scriptural. You're the adversary. And shows which side you're on. You're mad because this woman, this man lived on the street all these years. Now they're clothed in the right man. They're healed. And you're mad. Well, uh, you're at the right church if you want to change. But if you don't want to change, you're at the wrong church, man. Go to the place where they want to be mean because we're not. Amen. Amen. That's, that's about all I got. So praise God. Let's stand up. Amen. I'll tell you what, like I, like, like I used to hear a preacher say that uh, he's in heaven now, he'd say all the time, I don't know about you, but I preach me happy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Well, tonight, uh, we talked about what, sub- what subject we teach about tonight. Healing. Well, according to the Word of God, if you're teaching the Bible, what comes? Faith. And so, I just want to say this, as we 
as we close out the service, since we saw already, said his word, it healed them, delivered them their instructions. If you need delivered from an addiction, if you need healing in your body, uh, you say, well, well, yeah, but I've, I've had this for, for, for five years. Well, that woman had 18 years. It doesn't make any difference how long you've had it, but yeah, but uh, you don't know the horrible life I lived. Well, I know, I know the horrible things that happened to Jesus to take your punishment. And so because of this new covenant that the Lord Jesus Christ gave his life, gave his blood for, for you, that's why you ought to be healed. Not because you were too bad or not because you're very good now, but because Jesus said you ought to be healed. And so if you need something from Jesus, come up here and one of us will be glad to pray for you. And, you know, I just, I just want to say that Katie, Katie's not here tonight. She's over there. But uh, we got the same anointing. <laughs> that is so funny. But anyway, we, we, we've all got the anointing of God up here. And if you have a favorite, that's okay. <laughs> but the thing is, you always make sure whoever you're coming to, you're expecting Jesus through them to do it, not them. And Jesus will take care of you every time. Anything you need, but tonight healing is in the atmosphere. But anything you need, come up here and we'll pray for you.
Jesus, there is nothing like your love.
another spirit-filled tongue-talking son-in-law. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Colin, did you recognize that wasn't English? That was your prayer. That was your prayer. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's how it works. You get a man of God full of the Holy Ghost. I mean, that's one way. The other ways. But when you desire those things, the Holy Ghost will come into you at a different measure. If you don't speak in tongues yet, it doesn't mean you're not saved. you got the Holy Spirit. But this is a deeper measure of the Holy Spirit you can get. And so that's that's the way it is. If anybody else wants that tonight, before you leave, come up here, I'll lay hands on you. And God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. You'll start praying in tongues. And it'll change your life forever. And if you still have questions about why tongues, we got a book in the bookstore. It costs about a dollar, dollar and a half, the little little books. It says white tongues, and the same scriptures I would teach here taught that book there about white tongues. But it changes your life forever and ever and ever and ever. Uh, Colin, welcome to the Holy Ghost Spirit filled family. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's raise our hands, we'll close in prayer, do our Barstow Faith Confession. Father, I want to thank you tonight. The Word of God was taught. Faith came, and Lord, they got to see the Holy Spirit move tonight even. And we just want to thank you that everyone here, everyone watching, is going to take what they heard and put it into practice in their life and be doers of the word, not hearers only. Just thank you, Lord, that we're getting stronger and stronger as believers. We're coming to more knowledge of your word and we're becoming more fruitful as your disciples in our realm of influence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Barstow Faith Confession. Thomas, come on up here. It's your turn. Amen. You're not going to be outdone by your little brother, are you? I don't know. I don't know where it's at. Where's the mic at? Yeah, let me get the mic. I'm like, do we hear 
Yeah. You might fall out in the spirit if you get this one. That was an there. Oh, good. Yeah, that was an insult, Pastor. I promise. Uh, all right, uh, let's start it. Uh, we declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is saved. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of the God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen.